Most mornings after I've had my coffee and spent some time reading, I find myself walking over to our family laptop, opening up the lid and going to the news. I'm drawn to it, but at the same time, as I open the website, I feel a sense of dread. What am I going to find there? War, politics in disarray, the latest school shooting. I don't know what to make of what I find. I can't imagine how to pray for it. And then as I go over to the, my email and check my text messages for the day, I encounter more mundane griefs, everyday sadness. There's news from the friend whose daughter is struggling with anxiety, even though she's not even in high school. Then there's news from a family whose father has passed away from a cancer that took him all too soon, leaving behind young children. Then there's the news of an acquaintance whose life ended because of despair. What am I to make of those things? How am I to think of them, about them? How am I to pray? By the time I make my way to the shed in my backyard where I offer my morning prayers, usually all I can do is just light a candle and sit there before God in silence. God welcomes that silence. That's the message that St. Paul offers us today in our reading from Romans. Paul tells us that it is just when we feel as though our prayers are failures that the Spirit moves in us working in our hearts. The Spirit, Paul tells us, is also at a loss for words at those deep griefs and tragedies in the world. And yet, the Spirit in sighs that go even deeper than words is able to communicate the contents of our hearts straight to God. God then hears the Spirit and begins the work of redemption. But we don't tend to like silence. When we encounter silence, there's a kind of tension that we want to break. How often have you encountered someone going through deep suffering and you just want to say something, anything? Sometimes what we reach for is a Bible verse. And the verse that comes just next in our reading from Romans is a common one. All things work together for good for those who love God. It's kind of a way of saying, cheer up, God's got it under control. If you've ever received those words Probably, like me, it hasn't been 
a real comfort. And given that Paul just told us that the Spirit works in our deep longings and sighs that we can't even give language to, I think maybe we've misheard Paul on this point. In all things, God is working toward good with those who love him. Do you hear the difference in that translation, that fuller sense of the Greek? In all things, God is working toward good. He's not saying that all things work together for good, but that in everything, even those unspeakable realities we encounter in the world, God is working toward good. And not just God alone, but God is working with us those of us who love God, to bring about a new reality, the reality that is born of God's great love. It's as the scholars Brian Walsh and Sylvia Kiesmott put it, when the Spirit even can't express our deepest grief or put it into words, we don't reach for cheap language, but instead Paul is calling us to get busy in the paths of redemption. Get busy in the paths of redemption. So how do we do that? It's not through some new social program or political solution in the conventional sense. It's not through some new technology. No What Paul tells us is that the way that we move into the paths of redemption is by moving our lives into the pattern of Jesus' life. What's the purpose of our lives? The answer for Paul is to become like Jesus. And when we become like Jesus, we start to move into the same patterns of love for God and neighbor that he exhibited. And that creates a new kind of society, a new kind of politics, a whole new creation in which we can put our hope. Hope, it has been said, has two beautiful daughters, anger and courage. Anger at the way things are, and courage to do something about them. It's okay to be angry, perhaps even so angry that we don't know what to say with the injustices that we encounter in the world. But in God's hope, we don't just leave it there. We are also called through courage that helps us move without bitterness to address the deep tragedies and injustices of our world. We do so with boldness, knowing that whatever happens, God is there with us. God is with us and for us, spreading God's great love in all things and through all things.
Paul then moves to this wonderful litany of neither nor to assure us that there is nothing in all creation that can get in the way of God's love in our lives. It's a pretty comprehensive list. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities. And I think that as we hear it and read it, we too are invited to create our own neither nor list. Be different for each of us. Neither the death of a loved one, nor the loss of a job. Neither spouse going through the hard journey of dementia, nor a sibling diagnosed with cancer. Neither a child who has lost her way, nor our own sense of loneliness. Whatever it is, whatever we put into those neither nor blanks, Paul is telling us that God's love moves beyond it, swallowing it up in God's light. So we are called to a new and different hope. And it doesn't mean that if we live into that hope of God's love overcoming all, that we don't still sometimes open up the news and feel a sense of dread. And it doesn't mean that our sleep won't be interrupted at 2 a.m. with the worries of the day and the world creeping in. But it does mean that whatever is happening in our lives, that God's love is moving through it, calling us to a new reality, a reality that God is working even now as our lives move into the pattern of Jesus' life. There we discover that God is creating a new creation right in the midst of this old one. So we are called to act with boldness, witnessing to that new reality, showing the world that this new creation is happening, even now, even in our own hearts. Amen.